and Tyler McComas. I mean, I, I think it's just an unbelievable, uh, it's going to be an unbelievable transition for this university. I mean, it's, it's not like we fell off by any means, but it, it's just going to, you know, the passion he brings, um, the tradition, I mean, he was here for quite a while, uh, all that, I think it, it's, it's going to be great. And his leadership style, uh, I mean, I mentioned it to you guys after the spring game, was, we didn't even talk about football for 30 minutes. You know, he mentioned on how to build character and how to impact these kids and, and really uh, change their lives as young men. And so it's uh, it's pretty special what he's doing because he's not just talking about it. He really is. You know, it is really interesting with Venables, and, and he's said this a couple of times in, in interviews, but I – just dismisses all of the football talk. Yeah, I we're not worried about that. That all that stuff's going to come. Which is interesting because he seems like just such a football right. guy, and yeah. you know, a lot of football guys they don't really know how to have a conversation outside of just football. It's like their program to just talk about that, but not not Venables. I well, that 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 was how he was before. Now. I'm not saying that he didn't care about his players. He's always cared deeply about his players. But, I mean, I think that's one of the things that he really discovered when he went to Clemson is, you know, the the power of, of really unlocking, like, like what you can unlock from these guys by investing in their future and – the trust that comes with that and the belief that comes with that and the culture that comes with that. So uh, he's, he's serious about it. Yeah. That stuff will come. You know, we're not worried about that. We'll, we'll coach them hard and we'll, we'll develop them. We'll have them ready to play. But right now we're trying to, to make sure that they have everything that they need to be successful. I, it's, it, maybe it shouldn't be, but it seems like a pretty novel approach, right? I, you haven't heard a whole lot of that. It's just kind of been – I guess it hasn't been front and center. It's always been there. I mean, you know, they've always given all the resources for players, you know, obviously to, to finish school and, you know, whatever it is that they may need. But, you know, in this era, it's it's been – even that part of it has become more and more competitive and – it's right out there in front. Now, uh, I don't know what, what Schmitty cares about, but uh, I think he's uh, – Taking a, your soul. That's what he cares about. It sounds like he's been putting the old squeeze on yeah, the boys is. up there, which is, uh, which is good. It's good for them. No, that's great. Right? That's what we want to hear. I, I, think, um, I think we'd be really worried right now. If we were, which is silly to say, it's totally silly to say, Teddy, but it is somewhat reality of, well, we don't see any of these guys tweeting out how tough Smitty is in the summer. Uh, is he is he lost it a little bit? What's going on? I, mean, I feel like people would be questioning the strength and conditioning uh, coordination going on if players weren't tweeting out about how tough it was. Yeah, and which, are again, they doing crazy, that? But, or- yeah, oh, w- the week that you were gone. Um, to Disney World, by the way, which I just love how that trip uh, eventually turned out there. <laughs> I don't know who had a tougher week. The guys, I think cause that was their first uh, week back with Schmitty in the summer. I don't know who had a worse week, them or you. I would take two hours 
of grueling workout, miserable, on the verge of death, over 12 hours of standing in line. Yikes. <laughs> no, but that was really the week where you saw it. Like, they were all tweeting out, messing with Schmitty in the summertime. It was, it was, it was an ordeal. Yeah. I wonder uh, – you know, right now I think they're they're probably wrapping up this week and then I don't know, usually have a little bit of time off for the fourth. I don't know how much they'll get. Um probably this weekend, couple of days maybe, and then start the second half of next week. Not sure, but it, there's usually something new in store for the second half of the summer and the amplitude gets cranked up a bit. Yeah. So Go, um, going back to the Brent Venables comment about, you know, how he transformed at Clemson, I, I, I agree with that. I don't feel like he was out at Clemson and in the ACC for seven, eight years, however long it was, and he just learned so much more about how to call defense or defensive football or anything like that. I, clearly, he picked up some things and learned some things he was out there. Like, I think the positive transformation is – Honestly, less about football and more about the personal skills that that he developed when he was out there, like you're saying. Right. I yeah. think that's what, what it's more about. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, I think he, you know, obviously he's always, he's always learning and evolving when it comes to calling defense and building defense and developing players. There's, there's no doubt about that. And he hasn't. That really, in my opinion, has never been necessarily questioned, at least in my mind. But um, I think maybe working on himself some, I think um, like seeing something through a, a, a bit of a different lens with the way that Dabo runs some things. And, yeah, I, I, it just seems all all like it's – he went to school, went to, I don't know, graduate school, whatever you want to call it, and came out and he's as pre prepared as, as anyone could ever be for a head coaching position. Yeah, I, I feel like that as well. College football's most explosive players in 2022. I see eight players listed. Uh, no OU players on this list. Jameer Gibbs, the transfer running back to Alabama, is at number five. Jordan Addison, wide receiver at USC, is at four. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, running back at Kansas State's three. Xavier Worthy at Texas is two. And you got JSN, wide receiver at uh, Ohio State, is at number one. Um, who is going to be in, in text line? Uh, interact with us on this 405 651 3439. Who is going to be labeled as the explosive player with this offense this year? Someone is going to emerge as that guy, at least I think, but who's it going to be? Oh, man. It's hard to say. I think that – I think there's a, a pretty decent chance that uh, – hmm. I was going to say the back half, but – You're wanting to say Javante Barnes. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like, like a, a freshman typically burst out of the gate and then – Really kind of hits the wall well, late. Unless you're Adrian Peterson, you just stay strong throughout the entire year. He doesn't count. Uh, he was a freshman in the eighth grade, <laughs> yeah, I think. You're right. um, I feel like he may burst out early with some 
you know, as everyone's trying to grab, uh, get get their hands around what OU's offense is going to be, like maybe he has some really explosive moments. And then as you head into the meat and potatoes of Big 12 play and everyone's got five, six, seven games of film on you and you you kind of know where what you've become and everyone else knows what you've become, maybe that slows down a bit. Um, as far as receiver is concerned, man. Mims or Farouk, you, are you willing to look at anyone else besides those two guys? Yeah. Jaden Gibson? Yeah. And the Anderson kid. Yeah. I'm now, lo- Nick, Nick Anderson, I think to most fans are, uh, but you didn't see him in the spring game, but it sounded like he looked like a dude in the first half of uh, spring ball yeah. this year. I don't know if he rolled in. I don't know what happened. He had some type of minor injury where he was kind of out of the rotation, but uh, he was he was the buzz early. And then, you know, whenever you're kind of out of the mix and they're talking about someone else, obviously the, the attention uh, shifts. But he was he was a dude that was being talked about nonstop. So I would go with either one of the youngsters and Jalil Farouk. Throw him in there? Yeah, it's interesting that you didn't even mention Eric Gray because as much as we talk about, well, this is Marcus Major's chance. Well, can Javante Barnes be a dude as a true freshman? We talk about every other running back and what they can do, but not a whole lot about Eric Gray. I mean, he is definitely, not only is he going to allow, he may be in the best position in terms of reps early on in the year to be their, I mean, big play guy. Yeah, I'm not saying I would sit here and bet on it, but he definitely needs to be in the conversation. I agree. I agree. And, you know, heard great things from from the staff about the spring that he had and how different he is. And, and okay, I'll, I'll take all of that. But I just I – don't, I don't know. And this is not – I'm not anti-Eric Gray, but I'm just telling you – if those three running backs are standing there in line, as a linebacker, I'm saying put Eric Gray in. Yeah. I don't want to have to tackle Marcus Major, and I don't want to have to chase that freshman uh, to the sideline every time whenever he bounces it. I agree, though. Uh, Javante Barnes did get popped in his first carry in the spring game, right? But, uh, but yes, I, I still agree with that. He'll, he'll, you know, and as he learns to get his pads down, it's, it's, a, it's a hard lesson to learn and take some time. That at this level, if you don't run at, with the proper pad level, you'll get you'll get introduced. But you know what I'm. That's why it's so hard for me with Eric Gray. I think he's I think he's a good all around back. I think he he runs well. He's got shake. You know he's not like a tiny back, uh, but he doesn't run through a lot of guys. But he's got you know hands out of the backfield they can use him in some some pass catching roles it's just hard for me to say that he's going to be a breakout type of weapon I think he's a solid solid go-to back yeah breakout weapon that we're talking about one of the better type of guys at their position in the conference I'm hesitant. I hope I'm proven wrong. Well, and, and that was kind of my next question is, you know, and, and there's some on these uh, on this list that you might say, eh, like Xavier Worthy at Texas, pretty good. He, he's going to be one of the biggest yeah. threats um, in, in the country this year. Deuce Vaughn at Kansas State, 
I'm good with that. Jordan Addison at USC. I mean, there's eight here. Um, do you think at any point OU has an explosive offensive weapon that we say, oh, dang, yeah, he's one of the biggest explosive op- offensive weapons in the country, a la Marquise Brown, especially the last two years he was here? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I think the uh, – I guess Mims has to be the favorite for that because he's the most experienced that we've seen. And, you know, this this offense is going to – they're going to push the ball down the field. And, and he's going to have some big opportunities. But I don't know that it's going to be him. I, you know, I – I think it is. I I feel I feel good about his his talent level, his skill level, but I don't want to I don't want to leave out any of the other guys that I think are probably just as capable of breaking out. Like I I feel like J- Jalil Farouk's just as capable of breaking out, and dare I say, maybe a little bit more explosive of a ball carrier once he has. The I, ball. I think that's I think that's very fair. I think that's very fair. Uh, Gunny of the Stutzman Army says, Barnes, Anderson, or Farouk? This one says from the 918, does anyone have confidence in Theo Wees? Seems like everyone is writing him off. I got confidence in Theo Wees. I, he showed out nicely in the, in the spring game, and I'm not saying that that's going to tell the tale of his season, but I, I got confidence in him. I don't know if I have confidence in him being the number one wide receiver, but being a big factor, yeah, sure. You know, what's interesting with – Theo Weiss. I think he's going to have a great year, but I don't know how explosive it's going to be. For whatever reason, and and maybe maybe this is a a mistake on my end, a shortcoming on my end, that after the the freshman year that he had in twenty twenty. And he turned into kind of a third down target for Spencer Rattler. I've kind of typecast him into that eight to twelve yard out on third down guy. Same, you know, and that's probably not fair. He no. did have a long. Um, he did have a long run against Florida in the uh, Cotton Bowl, but so did you and I. <laughs> right, right, right. I I think that I think he's going to be a great weapon and a big piece of the offense, but. Like breakout, explosive type of wideout. I don't know. And and the other thing is, just as we have this conversation, when you've got that many guys, and I feel like there is going to be a, a solid rotation coming through. I it's it may be hard to have a single breakout player. Sure. Right. Whenever you've got that many guys that are capable of doing big things and you spread the ball around, and they're all a little bit different, that gives Lebby opportunities and matchups. It, you know, this is a matchup-oriented offense. They're going to see what matchup they like, and they're going to go to it. You know, it's it's kind of hard to, to figure out. It may be a different guy in every game, yeah. depending on the matchup. Uh, I'm guessing it's Farouk or Gray. That's from the 580-918. I keep hearing that a lot of people are really high on Marcus Major. It sounds like this offense is perfectly suited for him. Uh, Terry Price says, probably Dylan Gabriel. If it's Mims, then DG gets the credit. I hope it's a running back. Yeah. Um, I think that – I think if – this offense is suited for Marcus Major. 
It's going to be up-tempo. It's going to be tons of downhill zone in between the tackles. Not necessarily stretch, but not necessarily, um, you know, what, what a lot of people just call, like, you know, inside zone where it's kind of just downhill, two double teams and sift up. It's it's more of a, a mid zone where there's, you know, they're working flat, but they're not stretching. It's it's really good for guys that run downhill behind their pads uh, because you get a lot of lateral movement from the defense and you can attack that downhill or with a downhill cutback. And it's hard for guys that are moving sideways to get that tackle on you with, with any punch at all. So, I think it suited really good for Marcus Major. But, you know, we're four years in. Yep. Make or break year, man. Four years in. At some point, you have to you have to start to question if, you know, if if he if he is gonna get over the hump or not. Hopefully, a reset, you know, get your affairs in order. Uh, new offensive coordinator, new play caller, got the same running back coach, which you should be happy with. But uh, he he's got plenty of tools. It's just going to be up to him to see see what happens. One more. Uh, what year is Xavier worthy at Texas? Hopefully, he's gone after this year. He's a freak and probably a first rounder. Uh, last year was his freshman year at Texas. So was it really? Is that he, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought. Why did I think that he, he had sixty two catches for nine hundred and eighty one yards, twelve touchdowns? It feels like half of those numbers were yep. against OU. Yep, 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 yep. Um, boy, he did have a great performance. Uh, 14 catches for 152 and three touchdowns in a loss to Kansas. Yeah, against OU, he had what? Uh, he had nine catches for 261 yards and two touchdowns. Woo! I mean, he was pretty good um, last year, but you're right. It was the OU game, loss. The Kansas game, loss. And the Baylor game, loss, where he threw up all of his numbers. Yeah. There, there were some games where he's kind of non-existent. Yep. Well, um, I, I I still believe that Texas is going to have a a pretty potent offense next year, and a lot of it obviously is going to weigh on their their offensive line. How how good is their offensive line? But they've got skill guys galore. Now they have some really good skill players. They may have. Um, you could make a very strong argument: best wide receiver, best running back, in not just the best like duo. Like the best individually at their positions in the conference. Sure. I mean, I, I wouldn't argue with the running back, and it'd be really hard with me to argue ex- against Xavier Worthy. Like, I, I like Marvin Mims. I, I, I really do. Xavier Worthy's really good, too, though. Yep. yep. But B. John Robinson's got to be a yes. Well, going in, someone, someone may dethrone him. Who knows what type of year some other backs may have. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on. Keep the text line coming. 
Cavis Construction bringing you hour number two of The Rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We are the Homeless Sooner fans. It is The Ref. Cavins offers remodeling, roofing, water restoration, and facility maintenance. Cavins Facility Maintenance serves all of Oklahoma and can help take the ease off of your staff to fixing those pesky problems in your office building. Give Cavins a call, 405-573-3048, Tulsa, 918-282-7612. Let's, uh, let's get to a few texts before we roll on to this new ACC scheduling format, which is interesting. Uh, Gunny says Jaden Gibson might be huge at wide receiver with that kind of size. Could also be a breakout talent. Uh, killing it with the Royal Blood music today. Yeah, yeah I uh, really getting into Peaky Blinders, uh, which they really? were playing some Royal Blood on last night's episode. So is it good? I've heard good things. Yeah, it's really good. You, you like mob movies or uh, like you know, mob stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, it's not your traditional like mob movie, like not that kind of. Is you, it like, a, like it. is it like a like a Guy Ritchie type of deal? That's like. Um, like snatch, uh, lock, stock, two smoking this barrels. This is post World War One in wow. England, and it's just kind of like a you know they 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 do things to get by essentially. Right. It's okay. good. You, yeah, you'll like it. What um what one of the seven hundred and fifty streaming services is it on? Netflix actually. Oh really? It's pretty nice. Okay. Yeah, I don't have to waste all that money per month on Hulu just to watch two shows a year. It's great. Good deal. Let's see. Uh, man, Xavier Worthy got half of Mario Williams' stats in one game against OU. Ooh. Yeah, basically. Peyton says, I think Jaden Gibson could be sneaky big for OU this year. Receiver is a place where a freshman can get some run. And not to unfairly compare him to Randy Moss because he just ran past a walk-on in the sc- uh, spring game, but the way his long strides are similar to Randy Moss – Help him outrun the defenders and will be big for explosive plays. Yeah, yeah, that was an impressive play. Hopefully um, he does the Randy Moss touchdown dance that he did in Lambeau Field. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> Wasn't that uh, Joe Buck? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let's hope not. Not with these – well, you could probably get away. Do it in the Cotton Bowl. Do it in the Cotton Bowl. Well, you can you get it. away with that. In the Big 12, you just can't, you know, do the horns down. Ah, uh, good point, yes. Right? Um, no, I think that there's a lot of things about this offense that I think could uh, really benefit having a player like that. Here's the thing. If, if you are just going to run people to death with up-tempo, um, you know, between the tackles, downhill running game, like, they're going to have to introduce uh, extra players to the box bringing safeties in and go man-to-man with, with man-to-man teams will have to go single high. And it leaves guys like Jaden Gibson in one-on-one against uh, shorter corners. And like I said, this is a matchup-oriented offense. If if you start to get some of those man looks with a single high safety, play action by the uh, the middle safety with eyes from the quarterback and then – turn and let that sucker rip down the sideline, hoping he can run past a guy or go up over the top of a guy. I mean, that's that's the hope. We've seen it for years now against our defensive backs 
be nice to, to yeah, see oh it on gosh. our end, right? Yeah, especially the Cotton Bowl, since Texas was able to do it to you time and time again in the 2018 game. Dallas Bill says, will the O-line take a leap forward in protection this fall? Yeah. I think so. Um, I've told you this multiple times, whether it's you know running or in, in, in past situations. I think this O-line is going to be at its best when they're going tempo. I think they're going to be I, – actually, I think they're going to be really good when they're going against tempo. That defense is kind of on their heels a little bit. You're controlling the tempo and the pace. The so line got a, a decent amount of experience working for it, but when they're going fast, yeah, watch out. Yeah. What was the name of the the psychopath in Silence of the Lambs? Hannibal Lecter? Ah, uh, well – the other psychopath that he was helping them. I was like, I, I think I feel like that one's easy. Yeah, was it was it Buffalo Bill? Uh, you're taught. Well, um, you're not Joe Dirt. There well, was yeah, Buffalo Bob, right? Yeah, and well, he puts him in a hole. Guy. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah I, I just I was when I saw it that puts Dallas the Joe Dirt in the hole. <laughs> you see this auto trader? Auto trader. Ooh, February. I ain't got this issue. <laughs> This guy wants seventy five hundred bucks for his. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, Buffalo. I've got Bill. the lotion. I'm rubbing it in. Dang. <laughs> I saw that Dallas Bill, and I was like, eh, maybe serial killer. Buffalo is that, Bill. Is that yes, what's going yeah. on there? But um, yeah, I think the offensive line. You're right. Up tempo, gonna help them a lot. Dedicated run game, easier. Um, I don't want to say easier. That may give off the wrong impression. I think the running game is styled more for a a big, strong offensive line to just fire off the football and maul guys. You know, we did a lot of that, you know, counter stuff and, and pulling guys, and, and that has its benefits. There's no doubt about it, but... There's a lot of position blocking with that. You're running these big guys lateral. This is fire off the football and hit you right in the mouth. And I think that's what Beatonbow would would prefer to do. I think that's what Schmitty is going to get those guys in the right mindset for. And, you know, Lebby will call it over and over and over and it'll go fast until someone stops it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, ACC going to a 3-3-5 scheduling model starting in 2023. They're saying divisions, see ya, just like the Pac-12 is this year. Um, Some more, I mean, they're going to have three permanent opponents with this. Uh, Each team will have three permanent opponents and will rotate through the other ten teams. For instance, Clemson will play Florida State, North Carolina State, and Georgia Tech every single year. Like it, love it, hate it. Uh, I I like it with the potential of hating it if I see shenanigans from the way they schedule games. Well, of course they are. You, you, what? That's, what? I thought that was understood. That's my frustration is by getting rid of divisions, this is a way for – conferences to forecast in the future who's going to be who's going to have the best team on a given year and try and schedule them as best as possible 
to give them an opportunity to make it to the playoff. Yeah. I think and I think that's total crap. So you you, you keep Clemson Florida State intact um which I mean Florida State that's like an easy win nowadays. Right. And then you pair Clemson with, you know, not Miami, but North Carolina State who people think they're going to be good this year. We'll see, but North Carolina is not traditionally a, a great program year in year out. And then Georgia Tech who's been bad for a while. It's almost yeah. like, oh, did you do a solid there for Clemson since they like to recruit in that Atlanta area so much? Just give them a, a game there every other year? I think basically what what this looks like to me is, okay, Florida State-Clemson, big-time game traditionally. Uh, hopefully it gets back to that. Uh, NC State is on the rise. We need to stomp that out immediately since they don't have a fan base. Like, we can't let them become the best team in the conference we need to hook them up with Clemson every single year, uh, and you know, yeah, Georgia Tech. I, I just, I am not a fan at all of tinkering with schedules, manipulating schedules to give teams preferred routes to the playoff, and they'll probably tell you nonstop about how they don't do that and how they don't look at things like that, and yada, 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 but I don't believe it. It's all about money, and it's all about getting your best opportunity into the playoff to win a championship because what? It, no one – you think NC State is going to complain? No, they want Clemson to have their their route to the championship because they want that big payday. Yeah, the coaches and the players at NC State want it fair, but no one cares what they think. It's at the athletic director role and above. Uh, yeah, come on, guys. We're not going to win a championship. Let's let Clemson go win a championship. That way we can share in the money. Sure. By the way, Florida gets – or excuse me, Florida State gets Clemson and Miami every single year along with Syracuse. Could be tough. Yeah. <laughs> Good Could luck, be tough, especially if – uh, Miami gets things turned around is I mean this has to be their best opportunity they've had in a while to turn things around right I mean I feel that way but I felt it before it's it's they've it got is, a good quarterback there now yeah they just got a really like a lot of people think Rashada's like the one of the best quarterbacks Clem- to come and out Clemson in a long time. Is, an, uh, is an unknown moving forward. Like, I still think they'll be good, don't get me wrong, right. but they're, they're an unknown there. I, I do think it's interesting that that's two out of the Power Five conferences now that are going to no divisions. And I, I think we all believe that the SEC is going to no divisions once OU and Texas roll into the league. Well, as far as I know, the Big 12's not going to divisions when they add the four teams, right? I have no idea. Well, it, uh, who knows? It, it would be strange if they did. At this point, with with how they're doing it. So, yeah. Wild. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hit some things that caught my eye next. Uh, Does a great job. They can handle anything from quick roof repairs all the way up to full-on roof replacements. Give the guys at RoofTech a call. Tyler, Johnny Cash's house (laughs) in California is up for sale. 4,500 square feet uh, on a hillside in California, $1.79 million, which my first thought was, 
This place must be a total dump. I thought the exact same thing. I thought it was going to be a uh, New York City uh, uh, studio apartment or something. Not pretty nice. 4,500 square feet. Uh, 1.79 million. Got a pool. Got a pool. It's got a barbecue that overlooks the hill. Uh, apparently, Johnny Cash used to put speakers out. It's above the the town of Casita Springs. And used to put speakers out there in the yard and uh, and play for the people down in the town below them. And also used to shoot shotguns off of uh, the hillside at targets, which I'm sure was nice getting peppered by uh, uh, shot pellets coming down from Johnny Cash on a drunken bender. They up there say that you can even feel the presence of uh, the man in uh, the house while you're there, which is that's maybe that's why the price is so low uh, on it. Yep. Uh, feeling the presence of another man in my house is reason enough not to ever consider buying it. Um, nice. How about Freddie Freeman uh, firing yeah. his agent? Yeah, that was interesting, and his agent definitely has gotten a bad rap after everything that that, hap- that happened. And I don't think it's a coincidence, man, because Freddie, he made his return trip back to Atlanta this past weekend, and mm-hmm. dude, he was emotional. He couldn't even go up to the podium. He like take a couple of minutes and cry to himself and collect himself before he talked you in think the on field. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I just feel like. Um, after going back to Atlanta for that three-game set, all of those emotions came over him, and I think that there was this realization, like, I, I think I made a big mistake here. Yeah, like, you, it sounds like he was maybe pressured more than he wanted to yeah. to, to take a bigger deal by his agent. I feel um, like he would do it over again if he had the opportunity. Right, yeah. Um, that's got to be frustrating for him especially uh, going back and, and seeing all that. Pretty wild. Um, I saw this, which I thought was just shocking. Some of the we've, – we've seen the wide receiver deals going on this year. Um, huge deals. But Washington Commanders, that's an NFL team, not a hmm. USFL a team. a hockey team. Yeah, Washington Commanders. They signed Terry McLaurin to a three-year extension with a 28 28- – million dollar signing bonus uh, signing bonus 71 million dollars in new money um i believe it's the biggest signing bonus or the biggest guaranteed uh that they've ever seen it's it's crazy i mean i'm not saying he's not a uh, uh a good player but terry mclaurin for the washington commanders Who's going to be throwing him the football? Yeah, um, I, I don't think that they know that. It's just, This run on wide receivers this offseason and how much money they've gotten is incredible. It was a bad year to have an elite wide receiver on your roster that felt like he was due his money <laughs> because it seemed like all of those elite guys and even those fringe elite guys got massive, massive money to eat up that that salary. Yeah, well, look at these. Uh, his signing bonus is the uh, largest ever given to a wide receiver. Bigger than DeAndre Hopkins. Bigger than Tyreek Hill got in uh, Miami. Bigger than Julio Jones. $28 million bucks. Uh, and you're right. Devontae Adams this year, five years, $142 million. Tyreek Hill, four years, $120 million for Tyreek Hill. That it's nuts, man. is insane. Yeah, it but, is. hey, good for those uh, wide receivers. That's all I got. 
Uh, first, a BetMGM customer, a guy that uses BetMGM quite a bit, he used a free $500 wager, which if you get a free $500 wager on something, that means you're dropping some uh, serious yeah. cash and you're probably a degenerate. But anyway, he used that free $500 ticket on parlaying the L.A. Rams, the Golden State Warriors, and the Colorado Avalanche to win the championship. It hit on Sunday night. It paid $269,000. The odds were plus 53000 His payout was two hundred sixty-nine dollars off that free $500 ticket. Avalanche, Golden State, and who else? The L.A. Rams. Wow. Now, I know the Rams were uh, a decent favorite. I don't know what the Avalanche were. Um, and Golden State, I think, was picked decently high. But still, that is awesome. Congrats to you, sir. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he'll blow it all uh, gambling here in about six months because that seemingly is the... I, I feel like I would uh, quit or at least severely slow down saying, all right, here's kind of like my golden parachute here and I'm, I'm going to take it. Well, you but, know what he did, though? He said, imagine if I would have bet 269000 on it. That's what I'm going to do next. Probably run it back for next year. Yeah. Um, a lot of OU baseball conversation the past few weeks. And it, to kind of put it a little bit more in perspective, here's what you're chasing. Because the NCAA baseball attendance leaders were posted today. Arkansas, 363,000 fans at home games this year. Arkansas had the best attendance this year, Teddy. They averaged 10,367 fans per game. LSU was second. They averaged 10,365 fans per game. Averaged just two fewer fans per game than Arkansas. Mississippi State was third. They averaged over 10K. Ole Miss was fourth. They averaged just under 10K. Then you had South Carolina at 6,500. Texas at 6,700. Florida at 5,300. And Texas A&M at 5,300. So the top eight in attendance leaders are either SEC teams or teams that will be in SEC team in a couple of years. Wow. Three teams in the SEC averaged over 10,000 fans per game. Per game. That is crazy. Ole Miss, think about that. They had to play Ole Miss, Florida, and A&M, all of them in the top eight, all three of them in the top eight for uh, attendance. I mean, 10,000 average attendance for baseball is insane. I don't even uh, – how many does Eldell Mitchell hold? It just seats only. Well, that, I don't know about seats only. Um, I, I don't know the exact number. I'm not even going to take a guess. Surely more than that. I would think more than 1,500. I would think someone out there will, will probably know the exact. Yeah, you may be right, but it can't be that much more than that. 10K is – that's crazy. Wow. I don't even know if the Oakland A's are averaging that many fans per game this There's year. There's no way. Three SEC. And, and what's amazing about that is Mississippi State was third. They didn't even make the NCAA tournament. Now, they were coming off a national championship last year, so factor that in. But they right. didn't even make the postseason. South Carolina. I don't believe South Carolina made the postseason either, and they were number five. Um, you get the point. Baseball's Dang. a big deal in the SEC. Well, let's make it a big deal here, right? 
I, that'd be ideal. That's crazy. 10K a game? Woo! Wow, that's impressive. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number two next. Davis Construction, bringing you hour number two of the rush. Uh, Gunny says Eldale holds 4,500. Others are saying it's closer right. to 3,100, so yeah, well, I, we don't really have an answer here. I've seen 3,180 is the, the capacity when I looked it up. The 45, that may count like – Berm seating if you can – Berm seating yeah. and stuff like that. One yeah. Oak Field in Tulsa holds just under 8K seating. The top five essentially selling out that place on average wild – Michael from OKC, OU Hoops may have not gotten 10K for the Oklahoma State or Texas game. This one says, the Sooners' second game versus Ole Miss reminded me of men's basketball. Get up by a couple, then at games, throw the ball away and lose. Go figure. Wow, jeez. Dang, okay. Unbelievable. Okay. What else is there to do in Mississippi? I I don't know. Um, I have been to the – sunny beaches of Mississippi once in my life, and we found a used syringe sticking needle up uh, on the beach. Awesome. Got to love Gulfport, baby. What is there to do? I, I think there's the same exact things to do in every single place that you live, I, aside and, from like one or two right. things. And that's why I'm not going to jump in and pile in on this joke. I normally would, but the same – People on the left coast out there are saying the same thing about Oklahoma. Sure. I don't think that we can sit back and say that about Mississippi. No. It's mostly because you're right. Most people do the same five to six things. Yeah. And, you know, if people do generally do six things for fun, in the United States, five of them uh, are eating and sitting somewhere. Right? That's about it. Um, You could do most of the other. It's all the same. There's the same things everywhere you go. You want to go drive go-karts, you can do that anywhere. You want to go hike somewhere, you can do that anywhere. You want to go on a boat ride, you can do that pretty much anywhere. What about hit some meth in a back alley? Uh, That's that's an Oklahoma thing. Okay. That's an Oklahoma I, thing. Mississippi, too. <laughs> yeah, Come on. yeah, yeah. That's, fly, that's a flyover country thing, you know? It's... Those, those elitists on the coast and their expensive drugs, come on, man. All right, quick <laughs> right. timeout. More from The Rush coming up. We've got the final hour next in studio today. Hit us on the Air Comfort Solutions text line 651-3439.